So this past week, I want to say, you know, we, we had three days of prayer and fasting. And one thing I learned when it was all over, I like to eat. But I want to tell you what, I've never seen such a turnout in this church for prayer meetings, and I am so blessed by that, 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 that the Lord is moving. We, we, we can't let our foot off the pedal. We have to keep looking at God. We have to keep pressing on, focusing on Him, allowing Him to have rain in our lives. So I had a message prepared for this week, but then I had the privilege of doing chapel at the Oswego Community Christian School on Friday. And as I spoke, I really felt like the Lord showed me he wanted me to um, to do that message here. Those of you that were in school, don't worry, I have some changes, so you know you haven't heard the whole thing. But I'm going to talk about storm surges. And I want to talk about faith. And why I want to talk about storm surges is we are moving forward as a church that always brings resistance. The enemy isn't going to just sit idly by and allow us to just go forward. He's going to come and he's going to attack us and these attacks they can distract us. So I want to talk about faith today and I'm going to talk from Matthew 14, a well-known part of the scriptures. Immediately after this, after they did this marvelous, marvelous miracle where Jesus fed thousands of people. Just a few loaves of bread and some fish. So he let, he, you know, and the people, John, the book of John tells us that they were so impressed they wanted to make him king. So he dismisses the disciples and the people and, and he, you know, he makes sure they go on their way. It says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went to the other side of the boat, went over the side of the boat, excuse me, and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Hang on. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Lord, help us. Help us not have that little faith. There's going to be times when you're going to call us over the side of the boat. You're going to call us to do the unthinkable. We fall short. When we 
look at ourselves. Peter walked on that water. But then he took his eyes off of you. You see, Lord, we can come to a prayer meeting. We can come to a Sunday service. We can be filled. We can be encouraged. But when we leave, do we keep our eyes on you? Or do we look at the personal waves that we encounter? They may be health-related. They may be financial-related. They may be relations that are troubled. We need to keep our eyes focused on you, Lord. We all have storms in our life. But we need to stay upright with eyes upon you. Amen. You know, one thing about living in this part of the country is the inconvenience of the weather. You can make plans all you want in the winter, but sometimes it doesn't work out because you get a bunch of storms. You know, one thing I have on my bucket list is before I become room temperature, I want to spend a place, January, in a place where I see no snow. I don't have much in life. That's all I want. We all go through stormy seasons. We all go through up and down. And we can navigate how we go through these storms. Do we do it wisely or unwise? I want to skip around a bit. I was, we, I was, I was um, reading an interview with a Marine captain. I think his name is Will, Will Sams. And they were asking him, how do you teach Marines in the middle of battle, in the middle of hardship, to stay focused on the task at hand. And he said, the first thing you have to do, and I think it's appropriate to us, you have to manage your distractions. You see, our brains pick up all these different stimuli and they get all these, these different cues and we, we get our focus disrupted. But we have to manage our environment and you have to minimize the distractions. If this is what you have to do, you gotta keep your eyes there. If you ever watch like some college basketball, when they, when they practice, what they do is they have the guards shooting baskets and a lot of times they will have like an assistant coach, he has a long stick with like this big foam thing on it and he's trying to distract the shooter. Or, you know, a lot of times what you do is, you know, you punch people in the chest. You know, I had a friend of mine that played pro basketball in Europe till he was in his 40s. And one day we're at Morrisville College and we're playing pickup and that guy was sly. I mean, I'd go up for a shot and he'd, he, he knew how to position himself and punch me in such a way that nobody saw it so the ref wouldn't call it. And what it would do, it would really take away your distraction. So we have to manage distractions. When hardship comes, you don't look at your hardship. You look at Christ. Now, I know we're human beings and initially we're going to freak out maybe, but we got to keep our eyes in the, on the Lord. The second thing he says is, you have to keep a presence of mind in demanding circumstances. You have to break the stress in the moment. Now, he's teaching Marines, and one of the things he said to do is he teaches them, take six breaths a minute. When you get into this really hairy situation, calm yourself every 10 seconds. You take a breath. Maybe we just got to take a step back and say, Lord, 
I remember years ago, my daughter, like six months old, and she was going through some stuff, and the doctor came out. And I told you guys, just thought she might die. And, and I remember my initial reaction was really immature. I was only like 27 years old, and I freaked out. But then Melody and I took a step back and said, Lord, regardless, we're going to trust you. Sometimes you got to quit looking out there and look at God and just take a deep breath and just hang on to it. And the last thing he said was you got to focus on quality. They say amateurs train until they get it right, professionals train until they can't get it wrong. Today I'm talking about faith. I want us all to be water walkers, I don't want us sinking. I want us to go forward in the middle of a storm. I want us to realize that we are going to be distracted. But it doesn't mean you quit. It means you press on. Jesus Christ sheltered from the storm. First point I want to make is you got, you got to know your storms. Some storms come because we are in the middle of God's will. Some storms come because we aren't in God's will. There's two kinds of storms, Warren Wiersbe says. There's a storm of correction and a storm of perfection. So you have to realize one way to look at hardship in life is, okay, God, am I not with you? Am I not fully encompassed on you. Like one of the things that I'm thinking about doing a series on the gospel. You know, if I asked you to write the gospel, I think a lot of you would say, God sent his son and he died for my sins. If I ask him to forgive me and ask him into my life, I'm forgiven. That's great. But that's incomplete. The gospel is, I live a surrendered life to Jesus Christ that I am sanctified for him, I am set apart, and I am made for perfection, and I need to strive to live that way. So sometimes when we're going through storms, we got to say, Lord, are you correcting me? Or are you perfecting me? Jonah, that is an example of a storm of correction. Because God said, go to Nineveh. He said, no. So then there was a storm. We all go through storms. It's an unfortunate part of life. But what they do is they reveal the strength and the maturity of your love for God. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Faith is a deep internal knowing that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. And Jesus tells us, in this world, you will have tribulation. Now, one of the things that we got to be careful of, it's been around for ages, it's there today, is this false prosperity teaching. That once you sign the dotted line and you love Jesus, life is going to be good. I had a brother say to me once, well, don't you think God wants us to have the very best? So he should make us rich, and that's really what we need to aim for. No. Jesus says, in this world, you will have tribulation. I like faith teachings. I love faith. 
But faith isn't name it and claim it. That's straight from the pits of hell because it opens us up to disappointment. So God, whatever hardship you're going through, he uses it to perfect us, to teach us about faith and to bless us. Wednesday night at the end of the meeting, we closed in prayer the last night of the prayer meetings. And I'm just sitting there and I'm looking at different people in this church that have been through some really hard times. And I'm just seeing them lifting up their arms, lifting up their hands, and they're singing, God is so good. Man, that touched me. To see people who refused to let the tragedy and hardship of life to shipwreck their relationship with Jesus. You see, we are here for the long run. We are here for eternity. We have to understand that our life has to be based on the eternal. You know, Bill read from Revelation. I look forward to that day when I go home to be with the Lord. You know, the second point I want to make is, um, if I get there, that's great. Um, Faith is so much more than an emotion. See, a lot of times we get caught up when, you know, like you go to a prayer meeting. I was amped up Wednesday after the meeting. I thought it was great. And, you know, you, you leave or maybe you go to this service and worship is great and the message is unbelievable. Or, or like a few weeks ago, I go to this men's conference and everybody's charged up. And, and you, you leave there thinking you're going to take the world by storm. Then you get home. And what happens? Life hits. Here's an overdue bill. Oh, my car does. I mean, the day before I went to Texas, my alternator died and I got a big crack in my windshield. I mean, life was hunky. I just want to spend four hours in my life waiting for AAA, thank you very much. Now, that's just a minor thing. Life hits. But you know what? Faith is not an emotion. It's not dependent on how you feel. That is a bill of goods we got to let go of. Hey, newsflash, I'm an emotional person. Mama used to tell me, boy, you're either way up or you're way down. First prophecy or second one I got from Lady McDonough. Here is a man with no hidden agenda. Like I say a million times, if you want to make money, invite me to your house for poker. Because I tell you what, when we go to my daughter's house, my son-in-law loves this phase 10 game. I mean, he cracks me up. He's working nights, he's exhausted. I'm sitting in the dining room and I see this phase 10 box hanging in the air, so we play phase 10. And I can be really happy or my cards can be thrown across the table if life isn't good. That's who God made me to be. I am not California cool. I am not a laid-back person. I got a brother who's a laid-back person. We have the same parents. We have the same gene pool. We are really different. But that's okay. That's who God made him to be. That's who God made me to be. Why am I saying I am a work in progress? But I know when I'm really against it, I am not going to make decisions based on my faith. What happens to me 
when something first kicks in, I don't take a step back and breathe six times a minute. I usually vent. I usually say really stupid, irrational things. I remember when I was first married, and I, you know, I'm 21 years old, and something happened, and my wife just stared at me. I mean, she thought I was possessed. No, she just says, you're an idiot. <laughs> but you're my idiot. That's who I am. I, I, I try to curtail it, and I am better than I used to be. But I've learned to more quickly take a step back, breathe deep, Lord's going to be okay. As I do that, sometimes when I'm really going through a hard time, all I do is sit back and say, Jesus. I just close my eyes. And it's amazing how the Holy Spirit calms me. Because I step out of my control and I give it over to the Lord. So we look at Matthew, we, we have these disciples in the middle of the night, in the water. Some of them are fishermen, and they're struggling. I mean, this is really bad. It says there's 3 o'clock in the morning. They're tired. They have a long day, and they have this really bad storm going on. You know, we used to have a guy in our, our um, church. He, he was head of the Coast Guard, Randy Lewis. And I remember once I was at his house, and he, he showed me this training video they had on the west coast of the Coast Guard, and it was amazing, the, the water and the storms that they took, that they took the, the ships up into. He's a cutie. I don't like water. I don't know how to do this, but I was going to do a video of, of um, what's that guy's name? People confuse me with him all the time. Oh, yeah, George Clooney. Um, he, he's, he's in this movie, The End of the Perfect Storm. I don't like water, and that movie freaks me out. So I was watching it and said, okay, that was to the disciples. So then they look up. Here comes Jesus. Now think of what they went through. They had a long day of helping people. When you serve people, when you help people, it tires you out. They had enormous crowds that were anxious to see Jesus. They had a lot of raw emotion. That's one of the things I do like about the, the series, The Chosen. The disciples were a bunch of yahoos that had to learn how to get along with each other, just like we are. The fear of the storm exhausts them. You ever drive down the road, maybe it's night, and you're, you know, you're coming home, and you, all of a sudden you hit a whiteout. Man, that exhausts you. I don't know about you, but you're white-knuckle driving. You're just tired. So they're, they're in the boat, they're exhausted, they got white knuckles, whatever, and they see this dude walking on the water. I remember once we used to have pews, and I, I'd lock up at night, and I'm walking up the center aisle, everything's pitch black. And I remember I, I actually said, Lord, if you showed up right now, I'd have a heart attack. I took one more step, and I could see a light under that door from the chapel, and I jumped about 10 feet, because I thought he was taking me up on it. So Jesus comes walking on the water. Think about how they felt. But you know what I love about that? Jesus saw him struggling. 
Jesus sees your struggles. He sees you in the boat of life and the waves, and you're just freaking out. He goes, man, I got you. I'm with you. Now, he's not going to come walking on the water, but he's never going to leave you. You know, Jesus wasn't like a coxswain who sits in the boat and go, row, row. I mean, he was, he was on the other side walking. Don't you wish when you were in the middle of your storm, Jesus would just say, peace be still, boom, it end. See, that's faith teaching that's wrong. Sometimes God gives me the grace and the strength and I hang on by the tips of my fingernails to make it through that day because he's teaching me something for the future for other people. He's showing me how much he loves me. Jesus saw the burden they were going through. He let them endure it for a while. In Romans, I'm not going to go there, 8, 34, and 35. Let me read it to you. Close your eyes. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Listen to this. Who indeed is interceding for us. No matter what you're going through, he's at your right hand to God interceding for you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. You can open your eyes. Jesus, no matter what you're going through, he has you. He's interceding for you. He's praying for you to tap into his strength and to live the life of victory. So we got the storm going on. They see Jesus. We need to maintain a Christ-centered focus. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday was great. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We need to make Jesus the center of our life. There's too many Christians that put Jesus on the shelf until they need him. Jesus isn't not, Jesus can't be a part of your life. He has to be your life. You have to surrender all. I'm going to say this boldly. If you're a place right now where you have a lackadaisical relationship with Jesus, where it's ho-hum, that ain't on him. I can only get that peace that surpasses all understanding when I've given up control to him and I trust him. I can only have his joy, regardless of what the outside world looks like, when I've committed my life to him. You know, many people see the Jesus Revolution. People my age, we remember that movement of God. That's how this church started. We want to see that happen. Is that because that's the easy way out? What do I mean by that? We're supposed to be his hands and feet. Yes, I want to see a movement of God. But we're supposed to live committed lives to God that reflect the nature of Jesus Christ. If you're not all in, you're going to fall short. I remember when um, I was 
24 years old when we had our first baby and we went to these Lamaze classes. I remember the breathing techniques. I remember once Mel had, I think, I can't remember what you call them, false labor or something. So I'm in the living room in our apartment, man, we're practicing. Then she went into labor. Two days later, her roommate said, I was so glad your husband was there because my husband forgot the techniques and I could listen to your husband because I was anal. I wanted to get this right. I knew that if I wanted to be a coach to my wife when the baby was born, and that was a great experience, but hey, here's, the doctor said, do you want to watch this? I said, nope, I'm staying up here at this end. So I stayed with her. I practiced and I breathed and she got through it by God's grace. Why? Because I kept at it and it was important to me. If Jesus isn't important to you, you're sinking. The storms are going to hit you and you're going to say, what happened? And God's going to say, I'm here with arms wide open. Where are you? It's never God who moves. It's always us. We get bogged down. We get distracted when we fail to look at Jesus. If you look at the parable of the sower, we're not going to go there, obviously. You know, the third sower, I think a lot of us live there. We do good until the pleasures of this world come. Or the worries of this world can take our eyes off of Jesus Christ. I was blessed by the message last week. Noah talked on fasting. You know what really ministered to me? You don't look at what you give up. You look at what you get. You don't look at the physical that you give up. You look at the spiritual that you're getting. Now, let me assure you, you're all going to fail. I'm going to fail. I'm a human being. There's going to be times I absolutely, I'm going to go sink way under the water. But you can't compound that problem by walking in pride and getting distracted and all of a sudden become isolated because we get embarrassed. That's when you talk to your brother, your sister, you have somebody pray for you. As we move forward, we indeed are going to get tested as a church. You know, before church today, we're praying in my office, you know, and um, we're praying for unity. Because what's going to happen is God is going to move in this church. And we know how he's going to move, and it ain't going to happen that way because he ain't, we ain't God. Then the test comes, do we persevere or do we say, I do it another way. You see, faith, I remember we had a guy named Danny Kramer here. I like what he said, even though I hated it at the time. Faith never grows when life is good. Never. It always grows when life sucks excuse my language, that's when it grows because I keep my eyes on Jesus Christ and he pulls me through. So as we come to a close, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Storms do come and go in life. Often our initial responses are brutal, and raw. We're not robots. Like I said, some people don't flinch when things come. I freak out. But then I step back and look to God. We need to step back 
regroup. Maybe you need to breathe six times a minute. Assure yourself that God's in control. Keep your eyes on the main thing. If you're a basketball player and you're getting punched, you keep shooting, looking at the rim. You don't worry about where you're getting punched. You're not worried about the guy putting his, his arm in your face. If you look at pro football players, what do they do with running backs in practice? They carry the ball and they hit them with all these big pads so they hopefully don't fumble in the game. Their goal is to move forward, so that's what we have to do. We have to focus on God. Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Let's pray. Lord, what you're telling us is no matter what trial we go through, you can work it so we are a testimony for you. Peter sank, but you use that in his life, in my opinion, for the future, where he could minister to other people. Lord, I'm excited for New Covenant Church. Lord, I wish that nobody in this room would ever have a hardship, would ever have a trial. But you, by your own words, tell us in this world we will have tribulations. My heart breaks over that, Lord. But I know that you're faithful. I know that you knew the disciples would encounter that storm. You allowed it to happen. You called us forward in faith. Yes, you called Peter over the side of the boat when he asked you to. Sometimes you say, hey, I want you to go share the gospel with your neighbor. I want you to volunteer here. I want you to whatever. Then we jump over our own boats. And we don't look at our infirmities. We don't look at our weaknesses. We don't look at our failures. We look at our Savior. And we allow you to strengthen us by your Holy Spirit. And we say yes and amen. We say, here am I, send me. We put no limits on what you ask us to do, Lord. For you tell us you choose the foolish things of the world, not the wise. Help us to move forward by faith, Lord. And I pray for those who are going through hardships, like our sister Eva. I pray that you would strengthen them today that your healing hand would be upon them, that you would encourage them, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for everybody today, they're a step slower, that you would encourage them, that though it might look bleak on the outside, they would know the joy of the Lord is indeed their strength. Father, you're going to be with us every single step of the way. Help us to keep our eyes on you, O oh Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Blessings.
have a great day.